look into Psalm 130, that you would just bring it alive to our hearts. Light that fire in us, Lord. And we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 130. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So today I want to talk about depression, being in that place where we feel like we're in the depths, as the psalmist says in verse 1, out of the depths. And how God can bring us from that place of, of depression, of hopelessness, fear, anxiety, whatever pit that we're in, how God can bring us to this place of, of joy and power and life. And so many lessons we can learn from just this, this small psalm that just incorporates so many of the truths that we just see throughout the Bible. The, these principles of being out of it, being in this pit and, and crying out to God and, and having God raise us up to a new place. It seems to be a, a theme in scripture. But notice what it says, out of the depths, I have cried to you, O Lord. See, this is a person who's, who's struggling. They're in this, this pit of despair, of difficulty. And yet they're crying out to God. They, they know where the source of their help is. And notice the, the word Lord there, it's all, all capitals, L-O-R-D, and then notice verse 2, it's not capital letters, and that's just a different name for God. When it's capitalized like that, that means uh, Jehovah or Yahweh, the name of God, that, that vision of God, that picture of God is, as all-providing God. For whatever my need is, he is my provider. So the, the psalmist is crying out to the Lord, the one who has all the answers. And then where it says Lord with the, the small letters, it's Adonai, or, or hey, you're my boss, you're in charge, you're the Lord. Another way to look at God. God has many names uh, throughout the script, scriptures or way he's, ways that he is described. So often in our lives, we find ourselves, hey, I'm, I'm in this 
pit. I'm I'm in the depths. Whatever it, whatever the situation uh, could be, circumstances that have brought us there. It could be our sin that has brought us there. And you know, often that is the case. It's our own sin. And I think that's kind of the the theme of this scripture as we read on. We see the psalmist talking about his sin and struggling with it, and how he needs to find freedom from that. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Notice that, crying out. You think about a child who has a need, uh, a little toddler or a baby. They're not shy about letting you as a parent know what their need is, right? They cry out. They demand attention. And I think that reminds us, you know, too often we're maybe too casual about prayer. Or, or we're, we're thinking, well, you know, God, you know, he, I'm not sure he's even hearing me or, you know, I, I've prayed about this before. Nothing's happened. And we get kind of discouraged in prayer. Was, Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Why did he say that? Because he knows we can lose heart in prayer. Because we pray about something, and it's not like the next minute God answers it, right? As we're going to read here, there's oftentimes a waiting. I'm waiting upon the Lord for an answer to prayer. Very important principle of prayer. But notice he's, he, he's crying out. There's an intensity in the prayer. It's not just kind of a casual prayer. Well, God, you know, if you want to help me, could you please help me? I don't know. I guess I should pray about this. Or you've never answered it before, so why should I pray now? You know, I, I think sometimes, you know, we, we get discouraged. We lose heart, and we're, we're not asking like we should, and we're not asking with the intensity that we should. And I, and I think it's okay to have an attitude to say, I... God, I'm crying out. I cannot take silence anymore. I need to hear from you, Lord. And, and notice what the, the psalmist says. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. Isn't, you think about that. Isn't that kind of an odd thing to say to God? Lord, can you hear my voice? Lord, hear my voice. Like, what's he implying? Like, God, it seems like you don't hear me. What's the deal here, God? But it's okay to say that to God, because let's be honest, that's how it feels sometimes. I, I, you may have been praying about this thing for years. No answer. Silence. I don't know. Maybe we're not desperate enough yet. Maybe God's waiting for us to get in his face, to cry out, to say, God, I'm not letting go till you bless me. What does that remind you of? Jacob. Jacob that's right. See, some of you prayer warriors, you know that. Uh, you probably all knew it. I'm not letting go till you bless me. Isn't that an amazing story? Some of you might not know that story, but where, where Jacob was in a difficult position in his life where he had you know, a, br a brother that he thought was still mad at him coming from one way and his father-in-law father, father coming from the other way, like he was being surrounded by his enemies. He was kind of desperate. And then he went off by himself that night and 
this angel, we believe it was Jesus, right? It was, it was a Christophany, you know, an Old Testament appearance of Christ. And he wrestled with this angel. It just seems like a very strange kind of story. What do you mean you're wrestling with an angel? I, what, <laughs> like, what is that? The World Wrestling Foundation or whatever those people? I, I don't know. What is this? Yeah. What? There you go. What's that movie Kelly and I were talking about uh, with that wrestling, the, the, the Mexican wrestler? Nacho Libre, you know. It's just... We like that movie. It's just it's funny. So he's wrestling with an angel, you know. But you see the, the point of that story. Like Jacob was like, I am desperate. I can't just walk away from this situation without knowing you're going to bless me, God. I'm not going to leave this place of prayer till you bless me. And the angel even says, hey, let go of me. I, I got, he's like, no, I'm not letting go till you bless me. I think God's looking for that kind of heart. And, of course, we see that in the Gospels. You know, you, you think about that woman who came to Jesus and, and wanted her daughter to be healed. And uh, I remember preaching a sermon on that once. And I think there was like seven obstacles to her prayer being answered, and she pressed through every one of them. Like that she was a, a Gentile, that's a strike against her. Which Jesus even said, why should, why should I bless you? You're a Gentile. I came for the Jews. Why, you know, you're like a, a little dog under the table. I'm, I'm not going to give you my food. You know, it's like, <laughs> he, and then he ignored her for a while. There were seven things that she had to just, well, I don't care if I'm a Gentile. I don't care if I'm a woman. You know, I'm looked down upon in that society as inferior, you know. Uh, I don't care that you're ignoring me. I don't care that now you're rude to me. <laughs> and then Jesus finally goes, oh, woman, great is your faith. He, he was setting her up, wasn't he? He was totally setting her up. He's like, I'm, I'm ignoring her. I'm ignoring her. I'm doing something here. <laughs> I don't know. You know, why does God do that? Why does he seem to be ignoring us when we're praying. I don't know, but I, I, don't you think he's looking for that faith? And, and anytime Jesus saw faith, he made a big deal about it. He's like, oh, look, look at her faith. Look, at, I've not seen such great faith in all Israel. Look at that centurion. Or rebuking people who didn't have faith. Where's your faith, guys? Seemed to be a theme. But I'm getting ahead of myself because that's what we're going to talk about in, in verse 5. But, but the point is, I'm cr we're crying out to the Lord. There's that desperation. No, I'm not taking no for an answer. Or if God comes back to you and just says no, that's an answer, isn't it? But often we give up way before. We've, we've not even heard from the Lord, and we've just given up. Well, I, I don't know. I don't understand. You know, maybe he, maybe he can't hear my voice. You know, maybe God's he's too busy. I, I don't know what we think, but I, I love this where he says, Lord, hear my voice. Please be attentive to what I'm saying, Lord. You, you see the desperation. Verse 3, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Now, this is a huge issue, I think, in our prayer lives in receiving from the Lord. And I believe this is what the psalmist was struggling with, was 
looking at his own sins, you know, and thinking, oh, well, why should God answer? I'm such a sinner. I've fallen so short. You know, that word iniquity, you know, it's not a word we use often. I mean, you, the Bible uses different terminology for sin. Miss, you know, sin really means missing the mark. Transgression is another word for sin. That's where you purposely cross the line and disobey God. Iniquity, I don't know, it seems, what, the way I understand it, it's more like we're just kind of saturated with sin in our, in our natures. You know, it's like you've, you've got this white garment and you've, you've spilled grape juice on it and it's just stained. It's just completely saturated with sin. That's really who we are. You know, if you, if you understand your place before God, I was listening to Pastor Chuck, um, last night and he was saying, yeah, when you really see the Lord, that's when you really see who you are, the depth of your sin. When the, you know, kind of the farther you are from God, you kind of think, well, I'm not too bad. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. But you, you, you experience the Lord. You know, like Isaiah said, oh, woe is me. I am undone. Or like Peter, Lord, depart from me. I'm a man of unclean lips. You experience Jesus. Or like John in the book of Revelation, Jesus appeared to him. He just fell on his face like a dead man. He's like, oh, man. I'm in trouble. You know, he's, he's, the glory of God, and you see the depth of your sin. But notice what the, the psalmist is saying. He's saying, Lord, if, if you would mark iniquities, nobody could stand before you. Because that's what he's struggling with in his prayer life. He's saying, oh, my, look at my iniquities. I'm just saturated with sin. Everything I touch, it seems like, God, I, I stain it. I ruin it. How do, you know, how do I possibly approach a holy God with my iniquity, with my shortcomings, with my sin? But, but Lord, we're all like that. And that's a, that's a good way to think. Hey, I'm not any worse than anybody else. And I'm not any better than anybody else. We're all saturated with sin. Nobody could stand before God. If that was the standard, sinless perfection, which it, of course it is, but in and of ourselves, we're not sinless. So it's just a good thing as we're coming to God, we're crying out to him in prayer, we're going to hear the accusations of the enemy. Who do you think you are coming to God? Look what you just thought of, or look what you just did, or look at the mood you were in. Who do you think you are coming to God? No, we cannot allow that to win over us anymore. We can't fall for that lie anymore. We have to say, no, I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I can stand before God through faith in Jesus Christ and have my prayers answered and have the breakthrough that I need with God for God to bring me out of this pit. To God, for God to deliver me of this sin that's been binding my life. Whatever that, that pit of depression, despair you're in, God wants to answer your prayer. And no, it's not your sin that's separating you from God. Because if you're trusting in Jesus, that sin has been dealt with. And man, the enemy knows how to work that because he's got a lot to work with, right? 
and he can take it. What's he called? The accuser of the brethren. And he can take stuff from your past and just slam you with it hard. Or sometimes they'll use other people to do it. Sometimes they'll use your spouse to do it. And you're like all defensive and that's why we, you know, we want to be gracious with our spouses. And man, that's the that's a great opportunity to show grace and love in a marriage. Hey, I'm not holding your past over you. We get in an argument. I'm not going to bring up, you know, the last sinful thing you did, or bring something up from the past. I'm not going to be a tool of the enemy to bring accusation. I want to be loving and gracious. We've got to learn to let the Holy Spirit show us who we are in Christ if we're going to learn how to pray effectively and, and bring ourselves out of these pits or allow God to raise us out of these pits that we have in our lives. If you would mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. See, the psalmist understood God is a God who wants to forgive. He's so gracious, isn't he? Grace upon grace. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, the enemy wants you to be under the law. Oh, you failed again. You might just get back with God later. Because, you know, you're just not you're just no good to him right now. You're, you're, you're just messed up, and we just swallow it. Yeah, you're right. Someday, I'll, I'll get close to God. I, I used to think like that for years as a Christian. It was always out there somewhere. If I ever got my spiritual disciplines together, and then I could be close to God. And so it's always elusive. It's, that's where the enemy wants you. It's like, well, yeah, I'll get there someday. I just got to be more disciplined. It's like, no, you come now into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. And as we talked about earlier, yeah, I'm not in the word like I should, but Lord, would you stir that in me? Because I'm, I'm full of iniquity and sin. Would you cleanse me of that sin and empower me to love your word, to love your people, to love prayer? It all comes from him. We get it backwards. We, we think, oh, well, someday I'll be there. Someday. No. You come now. Lord, I cry out. Take me out of this pit, this uh, uh, feeling distant from you, God. That's about the worst pit you can be in, feeling you're out of fellowship with God. I mean, I, I can take a lot in life, right? We can take a lot of suffering, a lot of difficulty when we're in that closeness with the Lord. But man, when you get over here and you feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm just not good enough, I'm just I've sinned too much. You're gonna, you're just gonna live in that pit of distance from God. That's not what God wants. But, but it does take faith. It takes a crying out to the Lord to free us from from these strongholds that we have in our mind that keep us distant from God. We let our sin separate us, and yet there is forgiveness. Notice it says that that you may be feared. See, for a, a, a true Christian 
who realize they're forgiven of their sin, they don't just say, oh, good, well, I can go sin more. Because, hey, I'm under grace. So I'm just going to go party it up and sin. A true Christian has a, a transformed heart. That's, that's what really blew my mind when I was born again and became a Christian. I was like, what's happened in me? I, I want to please God now. There's something in me that wants to please my father that definitely wasn't there before. Now, knowing how to please God, now that's, that's what discipleship is. That's what's walking in the spirit, growing in the spirit. But as a, as a true believer, I want to please God. And as I learn to walk with the Lord and receive his forgiveness day after day, I'm just receiving forgiveness and walking in that cleansing blood. It produces in me a desire to not want to sin even even more. So again, a Christian doesn't say, "Oh, I'm under grace," uh, as Paul was accused of teaching. Anytime you teach grace, you'll be accused of this. Uh, Paul teaches, um, "Let us sin it up, so grace may abound." And he would have to answer that argument often. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying grace abounds, but it should create in you a desire not to sin or to fear God in the sense of, Lord, I'm just standing in awe of you that you have forgiven my sin again and you've restored me again. Lord, I just want to please you. I want to fear you. I want to live for you. Now, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. This is a tremendous key to learning to walk with the Lord and to be raised up out of that pit of despair and depression, that we're crying out to God, we're dealing with our sin by the blood of Jesus, and then we're waiting for the Lord. This is important. This is a big part of Christian maturity and going deeper with God. We're not living by our feelings. We're living by faith. See, we're not led by sight. We're not led by the natural. We're not led by our feelings. We walk by faith, not by sight. So waiting for the Lord. I've prayed. I've proclaimed the promise of forgiveness. And now I'm waiting on God to answer this prayer. I will tell you, that is a powerful place to be before God. When you're waiting on the Lord for something, you're just putting it before him and you're stepping back and you're, you're, you're watching what he's going to do. You don't think he sees that kind of heart? Oh, yeah. He's, he's looking around the earth to find a heart you know, that, that is faithful to him, that, that is expecting and waiting on him. I don't think he's finding that many people that are like that. So when he sees one, he just zooms in. Oh, Sandy's waiting for me again. Oh, man, I'm going to blow her mind again. I'm just going to bless her, but I'm going to make her wait a little longer because... I just want her to learn to trust me and not go by her feelings. And then all of a sudden it's like, wham. You know, I love that that's you know, revelation picture we we went over a few months ago where it says in, in the throne room of God, there's that altar of incense. It's the prayers of the saints, and then this angel comes up and takes um the fire from the altar of prayer incense. 
and hurdles it to the earth like this uh, a lightning and there was lightning thunder and earthquakes it's like to me that's a picture of god saying i'm hearing your prayer there's sweet incense to me and i'm going to answer them i'm going to answer with power but there is that waiting the waiting of faith they that wait upon the lord will renew their strength what does that mean to wait upon the Lord? Well, that's faith. That's saying I've I've committed it to you. Now I, my eyes are upon you, seeing what you're going to do, God. It's your problem now. You know, it'd be kind of like when Jesus was here and you had a, a a sick friend, and there there are certain parts in the in the New Testament and the Gospels where it says you know the whole city gathered. Uh, it, to Jesus and and they brought all the sick and laid him at his feet so you take your your sick loved one and and you just go lay at the feet of Jesus and then you wait and see what he's going to do well he healed them all it says he healed them all well that wasn't a picture of God wants to heal everybody who's physically sick the point is Jesus is going to take care of that problem whatever you lay at his feet yeah, I don't know why I'm pointing over there. Is Jesus over there? But um, I can see him, you guys. Oh, I've heard sermons like that. It's weird. I saw fire coming down over all you guys, and it's like, don't believe that stuff. Um, but yeah, we we lay our problems at the feet of Jesus, and then we wait for an answer. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. So that's what makes waiting so powerful. Like, I got that word from the Lord. Not just oh, a general, like, oh, I read the Bible. Uh, you know, I did my devotion today. But it's like, no, God gave you that word of hope. You, you ever see that happen where you, you just like, you, you go to your devotional time and, and the Lord just speaks to you. I mean, it happens to us all the time, right? I mean, and, and now to take that word and say, Lord, I know that was from you. That's no coincidence. And Lord, I, am, I know you hear me. I know you're interested in me. I know you see my burden. You see the pit I'm in or this situation or this person I'm believing you for, I'm praying for, I'm crying out to you for. Lord, I know you hear me and, 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 and I'm hoping... I'm trusting, I'm presenting this problem before you, and now I'm waiting on you. And it says, my soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. Isn't it amazing how God repeats himself so often? That's kind of, you know, uh, Jewish poetry. Or uh, Often there's a, a repeating for emphasis, which is good. I, I need to hear it a couple times. So more than those who watch for the morning. So you think of the, you know, the back then they had the walls of Jerusalem as protection for the city, and you'd have a watchman on the walls, and it, and it kind of invokes this picture of he's, you know, maybe his shift is over when the when this it starts getting light, and uh, or or maybe he's worried about the enemy coming. It's hard for him to see in the dark. 
uh, if the enemy's going to sneak up on the wall. So he's waiting, really hoping it gets light soon so he doesn't feel that pressure. But it, the, the idea is he's, he's waiting for the dawning of the day. And, and it's that same picture for us is we're, we're kind of in the dark, you know, and, and we're waiting for the Lord to come through for us in this situation. This very specific thing we've prayed for, you know, we prayed for Barbie this morning and we're like, okay, we're waiting, Lord. What are you going to do? We're waiting on you, Lord. The, the ball's in your court, Lord. The pressure's on you. And we know you're faithful. We know you're going to do it. So you're waiting in expectation. Guys, that is a powerful place to be. So we're, we've cried out to the Lord. We're praying with very specific desperation. We're not going to take no for an answer. We're not going to live with this thing anymore in defeat. We're crying out to the Lord, and then when the accusations come, nope, I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And now, Lord, here I am waiting in faith for you to answer. Verse 7, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. So there you go. You're being encouraged. Well, put your name there. O Barbie, hope in the Lord. O Kelly, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. We put our name in there. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. There you, there you have that word iniquity again. makes you think that the psalmist is really struggling with his, his sin and saying, oh, this is terrible. My sin is so bad, but I don't want it to block what God has for my life. In fact, God, he's merciful. He'll forgive my sin. And what is mercy? You know, it's, it's God withholding the consequences that we deserve for our sin. Man, we all need mercy. You deserve really bad stuff in, in your life, and I do too, because of all of our sins. And God, and yet we're saying, Lord, have mercy on us. Hold back those consequences. And, and, and there's redemption. What does that mean? He'll take the thing that's messed up and make something good out of it. Isn't that a picture of our lives? Oh, man. I mean, you let the enemy take you on the journey of how, how many mistakes you've made and how messed up you are, and you live in that place, you're just going to live in the pit. you got to start crying out to God, receiving forgiveness, waiting on the Lord, hoping in the Lord, and saying, no, God's going to make something out of this mess of a life. He's going to redeem it. He's going to, in fact, he's going to redeem me from all my iniquities. He's going to work all things together for good. So, devil, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to believe it anymore. In fact, there's a song I wanted to play. Uh, do, are we going to be able to do that? That uh, I just discovered this weekend, and um, it's by Elevation Worship. I think it's a new new song they just came out with. But it really, and I want to play this, but it, just to end up this thought about us being forgiven and us receiving from the Lord and, and God making something good out of our messed up lives. So let's pray, and then we're going to listen to the song. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you can redeem us from all.